You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. Hey, Mitch! So, welcome all listeners to episode 100 of Hey Mitch. That's right. Damn. It's 100 episodes of listening to me talk. I'm I don't know how many people actually have stuck in, stuck with this or not, but uh <laughs> thanks for coming. <laughs> you don't have like analytics that doesn't uh, show you downloads? No, I mean, yeah, I could go check that out, but uh I don't know mm. if I'm going to or not. It's intimidated by the numbers. <laughs> never, never show me the numbers. No, that's not the right. That's what <laughs> never it tell is. me the odds. Never tell me the odds. That's what it is. <laughs> well, as you can hear, uh, my guest tonight is Richard. Well, uh, actually, theoretically, I believe you're <laughs> my guest on your own show. There you go. Weird. You're right. That's that was going to be the the thing here. That so tonight's episode is kind of two-part thing like uh since it's 100 we kind of wanted to do something special and the idea of me being interviewed on my show came up and because of our fantasy football podcast that happened past (laughs) football season uh one week i beat richard and because of that he is going to interview me on my show so pretty sure it was more than one week but uh, (laughs) that's awful kind of you (laughs) well we only went the bet was only for that one week but uh you know what i didn't do much better that that season either so (laughs) i'm right there with you in that boat (laughs) um yeah so richard i guess take it away yeah so Mitch, listeners, hello. <laughs> hello. I am in control now. I am the Mitch now. Uh, you will <laughs> listen to every word I have to say. Uh, no, yeah. So it's crazy. Like, it's super crazy. I don't know why this, like, really hit me the other day. But, like, I was I was thinking about it. I was like, do you realize that we have been friends for almost 20 years? That is crazy. 20, I mean... It's almost, it, it is almost years 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's been a very long time. We've, our friendship has, has, has been around for quite a while. Yeah. It's crazy though. Cause like I was literally, I don't, I, I wish I could remember why. Cause I feel like it would just make this so much like more meaningful than what it is. <laughs> but like it just hit me and I was like, good Lord. I was like, Mitch is the person I have been friends with the longest in my entire life. <laughs> like just based purely off mathematics, which I suck at, which is why I went into filmmaking and geek stuff. Uh, not that math isn't geek stuff, just not my geek stuff. Obviously, <laughs> math is definitely a geeky thing, of course. I'm but. sure there's a lot of math in, in film, too. So, <laughs> eh, you know, is there? <laughs> I'm sure somebody does it, you know. That's why I was telling everybody, that's the best thing about working in the real world versus going to school is that in school it's called cheating, but in the real world it's called collaboration. That's so right. you suck at something, <laughs> you just hire someone else to do it, and it's it works. It's great. 
Yeah. So yeah, we've been friends for for eighteen years, man. Like twenty twenty two will be the 20, 20th anniversary of of the Mitch and Rich show. Uh, <laughs> crazy, crazy. Absolutely I mean, crazy. all of it and all of it starting off of you know just the love of movies. Like uh, you know, two two guys working at Blockbuster, and uh, you know, obviously the the topic of movie comes up and. It, for those people who don't remember, a blockbuster was a brick and mortar <laughs> place that you went to to rent movies. At first, it was videotapes, and then it became DVDs, and then it went away. <laughs> yeah, everyone self quarantined their videos to you know social distance streaming platforms like Netflix and Hulu and Disney Plus and the thousands of other ones that are existing now. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's pretty nuts, though, isn't it? Like, I mean, especially like you're talking about Blockbuster not even being around. I feel like this whole episode is just going to age us so badly. (laughs) Oh, it really is. It really, really is. Like, crazy. (laughs) Yeah, no, it it is nuts, man. We met at at Blockbuster and, and, you know, uh, obviously film, of course, comes up there. But uh, the other thing that I would say came out of that as well would be comics, which I was not... Uh, super huge into. I, I think you were kind of my gateway drug into a lot of things, including that. Uh, the old gridiron got me into the uh, 49ers as well, <laughs> um, which was really difficult this past uh, Super Bowl. Oh, man. I'm sorry. I'm from Missouri. So, like, you know, there's like two internal conflicts battling me. Uh, but, you know, as you pointed out, like you said this to me, and I was like, that's a very true point. The Chiefs weirdly kind of get a lot of the 49ers players like when they're kind of done <laughs> yep. being really great football players or maybe that's not fair. But when they're kind of like, you know, getting ready to get out of the profession, they they kind of go to the Chiefs, which is which is funny. But but that being said, though, yeah, comics, football, um, God, I'm sure like I'm sure I've had some impact on you on video games. Probably made you hate it more than you did. Uh, no, no, I definitely would not have played as many first person shooters if I hadn't known you. Like, uh, you definitely got me. Like, I I think before meeting you, I probably played like Final Fantasy two II and three and like a cut in Zelda games, and that's about it. But after that, it was. You know, Call of Duties and Rainbow Sixes and Assassin Creeds. Like, you definitely opened up my eyes to a lot more video games than I ever played. I ever played before. No, that's good. That is good. That's and good. I mean, obviously, the way video games go now, they're so cinematic that why wouldn't it be the next step for me as a self-proclaimed cinephile to you know get into movies I or to video games uh, even if I don't play video games all that often I sometimes just go and watch the cinematics as someone has put them on YouTube you know like I think I've watched three Uncharted uh, video nice. games on YouTube just to watch the cinematics and get the story because the story just seems great like I love Indiana Jones why wouldn't I want to watch it in video game form <laughs> Well, and the the cool thing about that, too, is you are going to potentially get to see it in in movie form now, because uh, last I had heard, Tom Holland had been cast to play Nathan Drake in uh, some Uncharted films. Well, uh, just for listeners to hear a peek into what's going on at the very moment of this recording, um, coronavirus is a big thing. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, COVID-19 has put a halt to a lot of productions around the world. One of those productions happened to be Uncharted. So with Uncharted being halted, 
Tom Holland might not be able to be attached to the movie anymore because they were going to film that movie at the time they were going to film it because he's got that other franchise. I think it's something to do with um, uh, some type of bug uh, Mm. where he has like powers of sorts where he slings from wall to wall i think man fly man fly thank you that's a man fly the incredible man fly yeah the incredible <laughs> man fly or midnight monkey what was the other oh yeah that's what right was what was it yeah. was it midnight monkey was it i don't know night monkey night monkey that's night right monkey, yeah night monkey yeah, yeah. no yeah his uh his schedule is usually is going to be pretty full with um spider-man movies and marvel movies so to speak so they don't know if he'll be able to still be attached to that uncharted movie however you still have um was it mark Wahlberg as sully and antonio banderas i believe as the villain oh yeah good good choices i would i would say how did you feel about tom holland as as nathan drake because i mean i the video game definitely does not put nathan drake into a um, younger role as Tom Holland usually plays. Yeah, no, I, I thought it was an interesting choice. Um, at first I, I thought, okay, well, obviously maybe we're going to go pre to, cause there's gotta be a huge backstory to, uh, to Nathan Drake as a character. So like, obviously we're going to go back before the games take place. I would assume based on his age. Um, but you know, the, the way that films, and again, I, I don't know, like you said, there's a lot of things happening in the world right now. So <laughs> up until this point, though, where we were at with cinema was that, you know, we were making a, a large continuation of films or a large number of films within a franchise. I mean, we're up to almost 10 on Fast and the Furious now, um, you know, 24, 25 Marvel movies or something, um, 30 James Bond films, I, like seven <laughs> Uh, Mission Impossible movies. I mean, so, you know, I think it was a smart call in the sense that if they were anticipating this franchise to go forward long term, uh, having an actor that was younger that we could see grow into that particular. And and I don't know if we would ever get to that. I don't I don't know the age disparity between the two of them in like the game versus what they're trying to uh, portray with Tom Holland. But it does give you that that leeway, though that you're not rushing as quickly to, to produce these films to, you know, be in a situation where your actor is aging out, right? Whereas if you went with somebody that was older, which uh, the name that was kind of thrown around a lot, which still made sense to me, was Nathan Fillion. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if, you know, if you spread this movie out over the course of the next 10 years, uh, which is not too uncommon, uh, you know, would he still be interested in doing those roles you know what are the physicalities of it and things like that so i I think from a technical standpoint i it makes sense and i think you know tom holland certainly has the the charisma and the wit that you would expect nathan drake to have so from that standpoint i thought it was pretty good what about you i mean i definitely think that i mean i would have loved to seen nathan fillion play the role however i mean obviously he is probably aged out of a franchise for something like that they um, theater studios don't make movies like cornerstone movies like that for just the one film anymore it's always mm-hmm. what can we what can we do for a franchise spin-off movies all that kind of stuff so you need an actor that's going to obviously play the leading role for at least three movies if not more and yeah. i'm guessing it's two and a half years between movies usually two and a half to three years to between between movies 
Well, and like you said, I mean, you brought up an interesting point with in casting him. It, it could even be longer. You yeah. know what I mean? Because of all of his other obligations to these other franchises and films that he's doing. Yeah, maybe it's a four year cycle between films. I mean, that's pretty substantial. Mm hmm. So the other thing that could be cool is if they if they did that, but then if they did like flash forwards to where he was older, and then they had like Nathan Fillion playing that part, but then it was like y- younger Tom Holland, like that would be pretty. That sweet. would be incredible. That would be pretty awesome to to see. However, I mean, yeah, I, I'm cool with Nathan or with uh, Nathan uh, with uh, Tom Holland playing Nathan Drake. I think he is a fresh face that you can totally have him do other things like. I don't know how many other movies have you seen with him. I, I recently watched, was it Lost City of Z, which oh, okay. has him playing the son of Charlie Hunnam's character. Um, oh. it's, I mean, it's it, he doesn't have a big role at all. Yeah. And at one point he has a mustache because it's because oh. he's older. But um, it's I, obviously he's got some range that he needs to get out there outside of Spider-Man, which I can't fault him for. So no. Yeah. I think uh, creating any sort of buffer to not get stuck as just that, you know, for the rest of your acting career is probably smart, especially with him being as young as he is. I mean, he's going to have a 40, 50 year career. I mean, distancing yourself or giving yourself the visual possibility in people's minds of you being another character is probably very, uh, very smart. However, you know, being Spider-Man for the rest of your life, Probably couldn't be too bad either. <laughs> I don't think it would be too bad. I especially don't think it'd be too bad from a financial standpoint. But I mean, I would imagine as as a person does, eventually you would probably get tired of it. I mean, again, a lot of those actors put, um, and I say this again only because I know we've talked about it before on on the on other Geekly podcasts. But you know, a lot of those actors are are just the physical demand to keep your body in such unbelievable shape. Like no kidding. It, it, you know, it's gotta uh, have some degree of consequence on you to the point that you're like, you know, I just want to eat a cupcake. Okay. (laughs) You know? Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm sure he probably would continue to do it for as long as, as he could. Uh, but I also would imagine that at some point he is going to potentially be like, okay, like I'm, I want to do other stuff now, you know. Speaking of though, uh, physical demand on the body for being a superhero, Kamel Johnny. Yeah, what the what? <laughs> did you see the the spread in Men's Hip Fitness that he did, where he just kind of picked out scenes from different Hollywood blockbusters where they show off dudes' bodies, and he's just like recreating. Is like, wow, dude. Like, <laughs> I mean, to get that knock on the door from Marvel from Disney Marvel and be like hey so we want to offer you this role and here's your personal chef and here's the personal trainer and and this is a, a we'll call it a watch that's going to put around your wrist and it's going to shock you every hour when you think about eating a cupcake again well and I love that he acknowledged that and was like look like if it wasn't for this I would not look like this yeah no he said it's a lot have- of hard work and it's not even feasible for most people to get something like this right which is great i am so glad that he would say come out and say something like that like it's unbelievable i mean everybody has body image issues and you know Mm -hmm. for him who i wouldn't say that he was out of shape but he definitely wasn't the you know he wasn't what he isn't what he was now and and 
in like Silicon Valley or, you know, some of the other shows that he did, he just was the average dude. But now it's geez. <laughs> yeah. Now he's like a pinnacle of physical fitness imagery. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it definitely is crazy for sure. So I do. Okay. So let's go. Let's go on a little journey of Mitch here. If oh, okay. okay. So I want you to go way back, way, 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 way back. Wait, that's that's maybe harsh. Ooh. I want you to go little ways back. Okay. And I want you to tell me what little little baby Mitch <laughs> got into comics. Like how? how wh- wait, let me rephrase that. What what came first, the chicken, the egg? And I, what I mean by that was was it your love for cinema that then somehow like gatewayed into comics or was it the other way around or do you remember? Oh, that's a very good question. So I would say it was my love for cinema first because I would have had to have seen uh, Batman 1989 with Michael Keaton uh, before I started picking up comic books. Um, I remember seeing that movie and I had the idea of what Batman was before that just because, you know, Batman is a is a world icon. It's like, it's, it's a symbol that people just know. It's Batman and Superman. Those, you know, those symbols people know no matter Mm -hmm. what it's, it's a part of pop culture. Um, when I saw that movie, I just remember thinking Batman was the coolest and, and and then thinking, Oh, I need to read more comic books or I need to find this source material kind of thing. I mean, obviously it wasn't that, um, refined of a thought because I would have been seven. So it would have been like, where do I find more kind of thing? Uh, shortly after that, we would have had the Batman animated series. So then I would have started watching a lot of those on TV. And then we would have X-Men, the animated series as well as Spider-Man, the animated series from the nineties. So all those coming together would have, I remember made me want to read comic books and my mother for Christmas, I think I want to say somewhere around 91 probably um, got me my first comic book for Christmas. It was oddly enough. It was a cable X-Force comic book. It was my first comic book I ever read. Yeah, it was. uh, No, I'm sorry. It was X-Force and Excalibur because it was, at the time, they were doing like two books in one, and they were upside down against each other, kind of thing. Like so, when you you read through the one, you had to flip the book over, and then you could read through the other. Um, so that was my first comic book, and then I remember I I borrowed my friend's copy of uh, the Death of Superman uh, trade paperback from from him at school. Uh, that would have been fourth grade. So I would have been right around nine. Yeah, right around, yeah. So that would have been 91. It's just around there. Um, After that, I don't think I started collecting comic books until my seventh grade year. So what's what's seventh grade? Seven, five, 12. I would have been 12. Yeah. (laughs) Nice. So, uh, yeah, I just I remember walking into the local comic book store in Yuma, uh, FanQuest Comics, which we do a lot of uh, promotions with. And it's still there. Yeah, it's, it's still there. That's right. It's still a thriving business. They're coming up on their thirty year anniversary. Um, I I walked in and I saw this big poster of Spider Man that said Secret Identity. And oh. what had happened? Or no, I'm sorry, Identity Crisis. That's what it was called. Um, and I guess what would, ha- what had happened was 
Spider-Man was accused of killing somebody. Uh, he was framed to look like he killed someone. So he needed to come up with four new... Peter Parker had to come up with four new uh, masked identities so that he could still be a hero and then also solve the crime of who was framing him for this murder. And he came up with Dusk, which was a which was a suit that he got from the Negative Zone that allowed him to walk through shadows, essentially. Uh, Prodigy, which was just a costume had no special powers but it had like a cape and it a full a full face mask and he kind of stole the story of i think he stole a story from of superman of like he was he was an alien shot to earth to from a dying planet kind of thing and he didn't use any webbing but he used his you know his spider strength and spider agility to to, to fight bad guys in a more heroic look ricochet he was supposed to be a mutant that could throw things and it would bounce off walls and hit people and then as well as himself and then there was hornet which was a was more of a iron man kind of character because he made a tech suit that had uh wings on the back that allowed him to fly so he was you know it, it was it was showcasing the, the the intelligence of peter parker which uh, just the idea of you know Peter Parker having to come up with four new identities was just so cool to me that made me start to read comic books. And then I, then I started collecting Justice League of America books because I was like, well, why would I do just Superman or just Batman? I can get all seven heroes in one book. So uh, I definitely picked all those. Uh, I picked up Justice League of America. It was Grant Morrison's run of Justice League of America, so JLA. And uh, I, I was hooked from there. Like, comic books was my thing. And then I, then I came to realize... Hey, that 1989 Batman movie was not so accurate to what Batman is. So when you 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 talked a little bit about it, you said you had an idea of you know who Batman was. Obviously, before you watched that movie, were you? Do you recall kind of ever being uh, exposed to like the old Adam West Batman show? Yeah, I did because I want to say. Here in Yuma, we used to get um, KCAL 9 from California. And they, late night, they would replay some of the old episodes. I mean, this is, what, Batman from the 60s? And this is in the early 90s that they would be replaying these episodes. And I would, I, my brother and I would sit there and watch them. And we, I mean, it would be fascinating because this is what we had. We had old Batman reruns where Adam West, you know, did a little silly dance and punched a dude and there was a big old pow symbol right there. And I was just like, this is Batman. This is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, and it's funny too, to hear you talk about like 1989 uh, Batman, because obviously for maybe those that aren't, you know, as familiar with you as I am, who aren't, you know, Mitch aficionados, um, (laughs) You know, it's funny because you are not a big Tim Burton fan. And and I would say that more often than not, this comes up, uh, not just with me, but like kind of everyone around us that's like so flabbergasted. It's true. At how much, you know, you're kind of opposed to Tim Burton movies. <laughs> but like, does that not give you any sort of like nostalgic connection to that like original Batman movie with Michael Keaton? Like, do you you don't look back on it and be like, well, you know, yeah, maybe the story isn't really what I would, you know, expect for, for Batman now that I've kind of gotten deep, you know, uh, into the comics, but does it still kind of hold anything special other than that? Oh yeah. It definitely holds something special for me because 
yeah, that was like I said, my literally my first exposure to the to real exposure to the Batman, and and even though I can sit there and be like. Michael Keaton, would that have been the Batman I would have chose, or the Bruce Wayne that I would have chose? No. Would I have gone with Tim Burton as a director? No. Would I have gone with such a uh, strange version of the story? No, but it's still Batman. Like, it's still the thing that, I mean, honestly, I mean, yes, we had, what, Superman in 1978, I want to say, Superman the movie, and uh, Christopher Reeves for most people knocks it out of the park makes makes you believe that a man can fly but batman comes out in 1989 i think you see more studio uh uh movie studios being like hey there's something here now we're not gonna really get a knock it out of the park comic book movie until 2000 with the x-men like you and me love blade don't get me oh wrong. God, yes. We love that movie, but it's slept on as the beginning of the comic book movie era. It's I think it's X-Men and then more Spider-Man 1 yeah. that comes out and and people were like and studios are like, "Yes, we can make all the money with these with these superhero movies." So, I mean, skip to 2020 and we have if it wasn't for a certain virus, we have a comic book movie coming out every four weeks almost, you know, kind yeah. of thing, uh, which I, I have to say right now, anybody that hasn't seen Bloodshot yet, don't go see it. It is straight up garbage. <laughs> I I got to be honest with you. I mean, I haven't, you know, obviously I've been really busy. I haven't gone to the movies much. Uh, that was kind of my 2020. Well, it was. Uh, 2020 shut that shit down real quick. But it was my, <laughs> my goal to watch more movies in the theater. Uh, this year, which not currently happening. Uh, but yeah, I saw the trailer for Bloodshot and I was like, eh, no, that, I mean, wait on it. It doesn't look that great. You know, that's, it's funny because I did watch the trailer for Bloodshot. Like, I watched the, the two trailers that they released for that and I was just like, wow, this just does not look good at all. Like, I had no plans yeah. to go see it in the theater at all. Uh, but then a uh, friend and sometimes collaborator on Geek Elite, um, Andy Conchola, asked me to go be on his movie review show to talk about that movie. Uh, a little bit of backstory on that. Um, for people who don't know me, maybe our listeners, um, I used to be on the local television news ch- channel to uh, do movie reviews for our uh, our district. I don't want to say district. It's not district. It's a viewing area, so to speak. And... Um, Every week I had a I had five minutes to talk about whatever movies came out that week and and give my 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 grade to it and hopefully keep people from going to see bad movies or at least expose people to great movies. And after I left the TV station from after six years, um, they still wanted to have that show going on, and they had Andy come on and start doing that show. And he even asked me, he was like, "Hey, you know." Uh, I don't know. He, at this point, I didn't even know him. And he's like, I don't know you. Uh, they asked me to do the show. I'm reaching out to be like, are you okay with me taking over? And I was like, yeah, you go right ahead. You make it your own kind of thing. Uh, he no longer works at the TV station either. And he doesn't do the show, but he kind of kept it going on his YouTube channel. So he uh, asked me to come out and watch Bloodshot with him and then come record a quick view video about... Um, 
what we thought about it. And I'm sure you can find it on his YouTube channel. As of recording this, he hadn't put it up yet, but I'm sure it will be up by the time I post this podcast. So check out, I believe it's, you just look up Andy Conchola on YouTube and you, you'll be able to find it. So with all that being said, we went and saw the movie and uh, it's just like, I'll, I'll straight up tell you, I like Vin Diesel movies most of the time. Like yeah. the Riddick movies, I'm okay with. I, I'm, I'm, I like the triple X movies, not so great, but they're still good for what they are. The Fast and the Furious movies, I'm there all day, every day for them. <laughs> um, I, a Man Apart is a great movie, but yeah, this movie was just, it was so boring. Like for as, as heavy action as it was, it was, it was, I, I kept falling asleep. Like it was just not interesting at all. Um, there, there are parts that are so ridiculous that, and it's not supposed to be a ridiculous movie that I was just laughing out loud in the theater and no one else was laughing. And I was like, that's, that's a, that's a sign. And, um, and, it's really a throwback to nineties action movies, like straight up nineties action movies, which I can hear a lot of people, you know, right now being like, well, I love nineties action movies. It's like, yeah, but I'm talking about like straight to video Steven Seagal nineties action movies, like kind of thing. It's, it's kind of on that level. Um, well, I was going to say, like, that's also kind of the problem with 90s action movies is a lot of what made 90s action iconic were the people in them, not so much what was happening exactly. in them, but, like, the actual <laughs> stars. <laughs> like, I know a lot of people are comparing it to Universal Soldier, which I love that movie. You know, Van Damme, Dolph Lundgren, Soldiers Brought Back to Life. Um, this is not that. It, it has similar storylines, like story plot points of, He's a soldier, and he's been he's being brought back to life by technology. But yeah, that's about it. <laughs> well, that's that's but that's what I mean. Like Universal Soldier is that movie because of those people you just said. Like, yeah, that's why everyone showed up to watch that movie. Because I mean, even when you get further down, and all of a sudden they're like, "Oh, Michael John White," and you're like, "What? <laughs> what?" <laughs> are we still making these now what's happening well, I mean, you like, gotta think about that this is 30 years later that, that movie you needed to do something new and different if you wanted to kind of remake it it needs to have yes. something better in it for it to be relevant otherwise you're just remaking it and that's kind of what we're doing here yeah and i mean and i agree and i mean i like michael jai white but don't get me wrong like, <laughs> it was great in spawn but i just i mean i don't know that was kind of a weird thing but i mean it's kind of even like action movies now you know i mean like we have some action heroes that it's like yeah i mean that they're making those films like the rock for example like you know what was it the tower that oh no no it wasn't the tower it was skyscraper skyscraper yeah, yeah. there you go uh, not particularly a great movie but I mean, I watched it because he was in it. You know no, you're I mean? right. Like, yeah, yeah, San Andreas so. and Skyscraper and uh, what's the the video game Rampage? Like all Rampage. three of those movies were. I, if it made any money at all, is because The Rock was in them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I feel like that's kind of that same situation there. You know. Yeah. It's very strange. All right. So that that's kind of where your love for comics started. Do you recall like what was the definitive moment for for cinema? Like, do you recall the first movie that you were like you watched and it just like totally you know. Ark of the Covenant, choosing the wrong cup, <laughs> melted your face off, and like somebody was like, "He chose poorly." Like, do you recall when that happened? 
You know, that's so I guess it would be you chose wisely, but you know what I mean? This is true. You know, that's so funny because I was having this almost exact same conversation with Elizabeth not too long ago where we were talking about, you know, what was it that made me like love movies so much? And like what if I can pick down that one movie that like really clicked for me? And I I honestly can't say I can. Like I can tell you some of my favorite like favorite movies of all time. Princess Bride. Like, you know, that's just a great action comedy love story you know adventure everything a little bit of everything in it um but in in clue was you know one of my favorite movies of all time because it 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 has those multiple endings where you know you're it's just so silly and stuff like that um then like a movie like memento comes along when i'm in college and and it shows me a completely different way of telling a story and still being coherent like sometimes i just sit there and think about that movie like how is it that christopher nolan i'm I'm assuming christopher nolan wrote it um Mm -hmm. but how is it that he you know can was able to write a story that was so succinct backward backwards that it makes sense you know what i mean like because most people think forward and linearly not backwards like the you have to shoot this movie backwards but you have to write it forward kind of thing i don't know so Mm -hmm. there's a lot of different things about movies that i've i've grown to love and then over time you know every person that i've met that's loved movies and yourself included has made me come at movies in a different way that's made me love them in different ways like yeah sure when i was you know i first started watching movies i i loved i loved comedies because i just love to laugh like being humorous was was a thing but uh you know one friend told me look you got to look at characters if, if you don't fall in love with characters then you don't care what happens to them like so that made me start thinking about characters another friend another friend turned me on to dialogues like you gotta you gotta realize that dialogue is what makes it so that you can uh, relate to what it is that character is doing. You know, it, it's either going to explain the story or it's going to make you feel and stuff like that. And then you have really taught me how to appreciate, uh, you know, how things are shot, how, mm-hmm. how things uh, look in the movie. Like, of course, I, I it, when I was younger and or more naive or whatever you want to say, you know, I could see, I could see something looked bad and I wouldn't know what it meant. I, I just knew that for some reason that doesn't look right. But now I know like, oh, well, that's definitely not lit right. Or, hey, you know, they were using the wrong type of uh, lens or, you know, whatever. You know, they weren't they weren't doing the proper job. In, and I have you to thank for that. So making myself a more well-rounded movie lover, <laughs> uh, I, I, I would say is definitely to... Uh, I have to say thanks to a lot of my friends, a lot of the people that have come into my life throughout the years. And, you know, at first I'd be, I'd be like, Oh, you, you have to watch this movie. Cause this movie is great. And they'd be like, Oh yeah, this movie is great, but you got to watch this movie if you like this kind of thing. And that's what I love about this community. Really? I mean, there's a lot of people I, that'll be like, Oh, I can't believe you love that movie. That's, that's garbage kind of thing. But other than that, most people are willing to, to talk to you about it and like give you recommendations and, and be like, and share in the love for that, which I, you find in every community of anything, I would assume. But that's what I love about the movie community. No, and, and I think you're totally right. And I mean, obviously, it's like you said, though, when whenever you have someone's beliefs and passions on the line, you know, you're going to have those moments where even jokingly, they're going to be like, that movie's trash. And somebody else <laughs> like, no, I, I, that, that movie's the best thing that's ever happened to me. You know what I mean? So like... <laughs> 
No, I totally agree with you. And, you know, it's, it's funny too, because like, um, I didn't really ever think about this for a long time because, you know, I discovered really later on in my life that I had dyslexia, but I genuinely think that's what led me more into the visualization of like films and and visual storytelling was, you know, that's really what I think captivated me. And I think lately I've been getting uh, more and more, you know, involved with the dynamics of of the writing process and and how that you know it all just culminates into you know what you're seeing on screen and i think the other thing too is like i was never really big into like tv shows and that's like something that you i would say arguably that's another one of your really big passions and vices is mm-hmm. is is uh shows and so i think like you know kind of like what you were saying with me and and the visual side of filmmaking for you, like that's very much been like one of your huge impartments onto me as a person as well as to like now, like especially now too, because we're starting to see shows that are having budgets that are necessary. You know what I mean? To actually tell these stories before it felt like there was a lot of people that were like, Oh, we want to make this show, but we're not interested in putting enough money into it, or there's just simply not enough money to put into this to make this a great show. And so I, I really feel like currently, within maybe the last, I don't know, five years, we've we've come into the platinum age, quote unquote, of television. You know, it's <laughs> it's streaming, but you know, for the lack of a better term, like the the elevation of of content, like both on a written standpoint and a visual standpoint for, for longer, you know, f- stories is, is just absolutely insane to me where, where we've come with that. No, I think you're absolutely correct. Like the, the, the idea of long form storytelling on the screen has come so far that you can hear people talking about like, Oh, where they're going to adapt that, that they shouldn't make it in a movie. They should definitely make into a show so that you have the time to tell the story. Right. And like, you know, especially with adaptations, but other than that, I mean, people are coming. I don't know if you got a chance to watch it, but uh, over the winter time, uh, Watchmen on HBO was such a phenomenal show that, like, you, I don't think, obviously, if you try and tell that in a movie, you just wouldn't because it's there was would not have been enough time. Everything that he that uh, Lyndon all put in that into that series was just phenomenal. Like, I it paid off so well. Just watch that. Wow. Like, a couple of days ago and i was like why was no one talking about it's like (laughs) this is insane like it shot so well like the characters are so like the only thing that did throw me is like i forget the main actress's name but like she does say what a little too much in my like in like the last like four episodes i feel like that was her only dialogue because like she but in her defense though she says it so well that every time she said it i was like oh yeah what what do you mean what you know but that was the only thing that i was kind of like but well, other I mean, that, yeah, you have, you have to admit in those last three episodes, there's a lot of things that are happening. You got to be like, what? What? <laughs> oh no, that's what I'm saying. Like, I she delivered it spectacularly because I don't know if if you or or anyone listening has ever tried to perform a single word and make it compelling. It's extremely difficult <laughs> to say what thirty different ways, you know, and like be engaging with it. And 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 I wish I knew her name, but Regina uh, King. If only there was some way I could look it up. <laughs> um, but she does it so well. And her performance throughout all of it is is really good. Um, and I, I was actually, I've been kind of like watching uh, Shameless. And oh, I love that She show. is in that. 
Yes, she's like a parole officer, and I saw her. I was like, "Oh, oh, oh you're, you're the Watchman. You're in that." But no. she didn't say what in it, so I was like, "Well, maybe that's why people didn't know." You know, Regina King has been had quite the career. You should definitely check there her you out, go. and I mean, you'll you'll realize that oh, you've seen her in a lot of things, and uh, and she's a phenomenal actress for everything. She was in Friday, yeah. like I mean, that's kind of I mean, she's been around for a while, and it's just amazing that uh, uh, right now people are like showing her so much you know, do respect. Oh, and they should be. I mean, literally her performance in that. And like you said, I mean, you're dealing with some very complex uh, topics in that, in that show. And I mean, you really do have to pay attention to it. I mean, there was a few times where I, like I had it on and like, maybe I would get distracted because I was doing something and I would be like, wait, 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 wait. And like, I would have to back it up and like watch it again. Cause I'm like, I totally wasn't paying attention. <laughs> what did I just miss? But I, I you know, I was a little disappointed cause like, of course I was watching it and then I like read that they weren't doing anymore. And I was like, Oh God, I shouldn't have watched it. But then I got to the end of the, and I was like, no, yeah. Okay. I get why. Like they kind of tie everything up. So it does make sense. But, but yeah, I agree. Like I, I feel like just about everyone in that, that show delivers outstanding performances. Like it's so well executed and especially from like a visual fidelity standpoint too. They did such a great job of showcasing this kind of alternate timeline universe. And it's very jarring, you know, like the whole cops wearing the masks and like having to radio in to get your gun unlocked to protect yourself. Like there are just all these tiny little nuances that craft the lore of that world so perfectly. Like it really is a phenomenal show. Like I'm very glad that I got around to watching it. Yeah. I was going to say this, too. I didn't know if you... We were talking about Memento a little bit ago. I don't know if you've seen this, but he, Christopher Nolan, is announced as the writer of the original screenplay for Memento that's coming out in 2021 or something like this. What? Yeah. It's like he's currently uh, in post-production on Tenet. Um, Which I can't wait to watch. Oh, my God. It it looks looks so good. Incredible. Yeah. (laughs) And then, yeah, he's listed as having a original screenplay for Memento. But weirdly, he is not listed currently as the director. So I'm I'm not sure if that's going to end up being a Memento show. The fact that it says screenplay makes me think movie. But, yeah, very uh, interesting. Very strange. So I don't know if it's rebooting it, if it's becoming a show. <laughs> We're going to find out what uh, Guy Pierce's character has been doing for the last 20 some odd years. You know, I mean, that's of, a lot of John G's to be murdering. It's a uh, lot of John uh, G's. Or, or, okay, I mean, he didn't have much room left on his body for tattoos, so <laughs> I don't I don't know what's going to happen. But, but yeah, I thought that was particularly interesting, though. I, I mean, is that something you would be interested in seeing as a show? I would, yeah. I think that it it does lay itself well for a TV show because each episode could be like, oh, well, I have to remember what I was doing, kind of thing. And if you did it all backwards, that's that would be quite the sight to see. Uh, I'm I'm also one of those people that I I know everybody is, usually gets up in arms about, oh, why are they only remaking things? Why is everything a remake? Why is everything sequels and stuff like that? And it's like because you like it. That's why you go and see mm-hmm. it like you go and see remakes of things you go. And when I say you, I just mean the general audiences, general audiences love to go see things that they, they recognize. Like we have plenty 
of original movies and, and stories that come out, but people don't go watch them because they don't recognize they, people want to spend their hard earned money on stuff that they recognize. They, they, it's just, a, yeah. it's just a fact. It's, it's unfortunate, but it's a fact And Hollywood. And you probably know this much better than I do, but Hollywood is going to put money into the things that are going to give them money back. So mm-hmm. and I can't fault them. That's it's a business. It's what they're, they're, they're due. So, no, I mean, you're you're absolutely right. It it it's very much a a safety play mm-hmm. um, to a certain extent. I mean, right? Obviously, there has been some things that have been existing IP that has been remade that hasn't done well. But right. for the most part, they they traditionally do pretty pretty decently uh, on a return. You know, I think the and I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like the last kind of like original thing that I saw that did really well was Knives Out. Oh yeah, yeah. That would have been, yeah. That definitely did really well for um, Ryan Johnson, and mm-hmm. and was uh, almost completely original. I mean, he talks about how he he. There's a lot of homages to old murder mystery movies, but that's still it's still his original ideas. It's still his original uh, property and stuff. So that yeah, you're you're definitely right. Like, I mean, there are definitely there are other things that are out there that's got to be more recently that was original right uh i, I mean I, I feel like i haven't seen it yet but i mean i feel like parasite is yeah i don't parasite. think that's based off of anything i don't think it is um, either i mean 1917 sort of i mean, I mean it's, it's based, based off, off stories his grandfather told him yeah but, but still i would say that's original movie yeah, and i that was that's literally one of my favorite movies of all time now like i watched that movie and just thought it was phenomenal like there was i i couldn't think that there was anything else last year, and that was the year Endgame came out that was better than 1917. Like, did you watch Parasite? I haven't watched it yet. I, oh, okay. I, I understand. Yeah, I, I haven't watched it yet. I, I want to. It didn't open up here. Uh, I know it's going to be available. Well, I think it's available on Amazon right now. now. Yeah, it was going to be on Hulu in April, but I think with coronavirus i think things are moving dates up <laughs> yeah so well for, for streaming stuff totally yeah for streaming yeah so and i'm not i'm not saying that i think that that's going to change your your mind uh because i haven't seen it either it's it's definitely on my list um but yeah i feel like those are are i don't know i feel like those are original movies that have done pretty well but i mean they, they certainly have not brought in the billion dollar box office that the marvel films are bringing in you know like so yeah it's it's definitely very much a, a play by the industry to say you know we're gonna do what's fiscally quote unquote safer and you know and so what i was originally trying to say was that i like I, I mean, I like to go see the remakes and the reboots and stuff like that because if the reboot sucks, then guess what? I can go back and watch the the original. If uh, the remake sucks, I can go back and watch the original. If if the sequel is bad, then I can at least say, hey, I know where some of these characters went after watching the first one. You know, I, I like I liked the what was it twenty year past sequel to it was a 20 year 25 years probably 30 years actually uh for vacation national lampoon's vacation with the one with the ed helms you know you got to see where some of those characters went you know and it just it wasn't i didn't think it was a bad movie it wasn't phenomenal but also the, the original is not super phenomenal either so uh it's it's still good i liked it i enjoyed it 
Well, that's the other thing, too, is, I mean, I, I think there are a lot of films that exist that were kind of middle of the road that were middle of the road because the lack of technology mm-hmm. or the lack of budget that now when you're a studio or a creative that's looking for your next project and you say, hey, this maybe wasn't the best thing when I was a kid, but it resonated with me and I felt a connection to it. Now I can get the actual budget. I can go back and do it in a way that I think would connect more with other people that saw the film the same way I did. And, you know, I think we get that. And then I think sometimes we also get just these uh, alternative perspectives of, of projects. And I think that's kind of an interesting dynamic too, right? Is, you know, having another creative or another filmmaker take a project and then try to put their own spin on it, but still, you know, connect it back to the original. It's, it's definitely a tall order. I mean, that's kind of where uh, I'm at with like Ghostbusters. That's supposed to come out this year. I don't know if that's still going to happen now, but um, you know, obviously Ivan Reitman is, is kind of helming it now, which his father was involved with it pretty heavily in the original one. Jason Reitman. Or Jason Reitman, sorry, Ivan Reitman was his dad. Right. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I that to me, like, is just, even though, like, I see the trailer and I'm like, yeah, I don't know that it's going to hit me as hard as Ghostbusters did, but I was also a lot younger then and I was also a lot more captivated by the magical, you know, the magicness <laughs> of, of filmmaking. Uh, because again, as you as you study things and learn more about them or, or get involved with them, there is a certain bit of that mystique that that dies a little bit, and there's a part of your you know analytical brain that takes over. Which I I, I say this all the time. Like I am my biggest problem with watching movies now is is myself. It's not even <laughs> the films anymore. It's just me. You know, I have the same problem in 1917. I love the movie. I don't know that I love the story because I was so distracted with how in the f did they technically accomplish any of this. Um, when you're looking at some of the takes that are like arguably like have to be 20 minutes long and you're going, did they get 18 minutes into that take and reset? Like, did they do 25 (laughs) takes of a 20 minute take? Like it it blows your mind. And then, you know, there's, there's a spoiler alert, I guess for anybody that hasn't seen it, but there's like a scene that's entirely lit by flares Yep. And they built this entire little miniature model and tested it with little micro flares to see if it was even possible before they shot it. <laughs> and you're like, that's bananas. <laughs> and then you see it on screen and you're like, yeah, this is this is unbelievably coordinated. Like there is a dude chasing another guy wearing at least 100 pounds of film equipment. And I guarantee you he can't see because there's parts where it just completely goes black and you're like, that person could have just totally ran into a ditch or a wall or anything. But they, I mean, I guess they didn't. So like, I don't know. I really need to go back and watch it a couple more times so that I can actually take the story in because I know the story's powerful, but I, I miss a lot of it because of how I try to watch movies now. Yeah. No, I mean, I can only imagine with the, with that, you know, that you probably watching that movie, you have like this churning in your stomach. Like, what are they doing? How are they doing all of this? Yeah. I, I mean, and not even just that, but I mean, like from a pure standpoint of like coordination and like, meticulously planning all of that because that's the, for those people that maybe haven't seen it without giving too much away, it's filmed in the, in the same sense of how Birdman was to where it's the entire movie is supposed to look like it was just done in one continuous take, which obviously there are hidden uh, edit points within the movie, but that's not taking anything away from it because 
when you really think about a film and a director and a producer and everybody that's involved in telling that story to literally figure out every single nut and bolt of how that movie is going to start and how it's going to end. Like, I just cannot fathom it because it's, it's not like, Oh, there's a lot of leeway for, uh, you know, spontaneous inspiration to happen. Like, no, you can't be on set and like, well, if we got this shot, it'd be great because it's not going to fit in what you have. And so like literally meticulously detailing every freaking shot of that movie, every movement of every camera and then making it happen is, is so unbelievably crazy to me. Like, I just can't fathom it. Nope. Yeah. That movie just blows me away every time. So (laughs) it's nuts. It's so nuts. Uh, That being said though, uh, you've watched obviously a lot of movies. We, we talked a little bit about your, your thing into TV shows. Well, actually real quick before I go there, I I have this thought too. So you did you watch Bandersnatch? I did on Netflix. I you did. did okay. What? Because I know that you also like the movie. Uh, you you broke up there. You, you like the movie what? Uh, Clue. You like Clue. The movie yes. Clue. I love the movie yeah. Clue. What if they did a new Clue movie, which they've been kind of talking? They did it as a choose your own murder adventure on Netflix. And you were inadvertently causing the murder and who the murderer was, but you don't know it until the end. Wow. I would be all for that. Like, yeah. Right. Um, was it Ryan Reynolds is making the new Clue movie they've been talking about for the last couple of years. Um, I would, that would be, pheno- that would be, I don't want to say phenomenal again, because I've said it like a bunch of times on this podcast. That would be incredible. I, I would love the crap out of that movie. Um, I'm going to call him right now. He's speed dial five on my phone. Gonna, Yo, Ryan, make this happen. Uh, Netflix, get in here. There you go. There you go. You know, yeah, I, I thought Bandersnatch was, was incredibly cool with the interactiveness of the story. Um, I understood, you know, that you weren't, truly getting a whole story on your own because uh it's not i don't know a whole movie i guess because it's 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 kind of like one episode of black mirror but it's so long because you have multiple endings and you can go back and re rewatch it or choose different uh endings or different directions and stuff like that but i believe out of the seven major endings that you could get i got five of them uh so I thought that was that was cool to see how the and especially the super meta one where it's like you know it, they kind of zoom the camera out and you see that it's a set and they're talking to the director and stuff like that. I was like, oh, that's that's pretty cool. Um, but as clue, yeah, if you were to incorporate that in and you are essentially picking which one of the the characters, quote unquote, is the murderer instead of figuring out which one is the murderer that that's that's pretty out there man and i like it i like it a lot (laughs) and then right before the end you could have to pick who like you could literally be like colonel mustard in the library with the candlestick (laughs) like it could also like make you pick and then you could kind of see if you were right or not but you were also actively influencing who and what you know how the murder unfolded yeah i don't know how the the, from the dynamic standpoint of how that would actually work (laughs) um but I'm sure, again, collaboration. I'm sure there's smarter people than I am that could be hired to uh, make that happen for sure. I'm sure. Okay, so we, we talked a little bit about TV also being, uh, you know, one of your greatest passions in life. What obviously got you into that? Was it just this kind of, 
hybrid thing between your love of longer form storytelling via episodic comics uh, meets, you know, the motion element of film? Or like, do you recall what kind of the first show really resonated with you? Oh, wow. No, I, I didn't think about that. Um, so, you know, obviously, as you've, we've talked and, and, you found, and we found out some of the stuff that's been milestones in my life. I am at the beginning of the millennial generation. Like I am the, my, the year I was born kind of starts it off. Um, with that being said, I grew up with TV being on like, you know, the generation before me probably had, they had the, what the, the handful of channels kind of thing. A lot of it was rabbit ears and stuff like that. Their generation after me has, thousands upon thousands of channels at the ready at all times, let alone also streaming stuff. So I saw it kind of evolve. Like it, we had the basic cable, which was the first, what, 20 some channels. And then it went to extended basic. And then you had 60 channels. And then after that cable boxes, direct TV, you know, as more came along, I just, I just guess I guess I just kind of consumed everything like or as much as I could at least I maybe it was because I was a little bit I was a latchkey kid somewhat you know I come home open the door sit down in front of the TV watch it until my parents got home uh, and then dinner was made and then you know the the primetime television was a thing and getting to watch all those things it, most of the times it was it was i feel like it was most of the time it was sitcoms and stuff like that so i used to love to watch sitcoms um I, i've i know i would say probably in my college years late late high school years i started to love the the one hour dramas because you just got those mini movies in in every episode kind of thing um now tv doesn't do just the one hour dramas aren't just mini movies within an episode it's it's that long form storytelling that we were talking about because you can have those serialized television show like Watchmen, where you you watch all 10 episodes to get that full story what would be the first thing that i loved uh i don't know i i know that probably my love of procedural television came from the original law and order i watched that like religiously with my fam my parents so uh, you know, that spun off into all those different Law & Order shows. Uh, we still have Law & Order SVU going strong. And it's in maybe, you know, I don't watch procedurals so much for the story anymore because, I mean, that's kind of what it is. It's just you get that one-hour story and, and it's in and out kind of thing. Uh, but it's 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 so, I don't know, it's almost comforting to have it on while I'm doing other stuff. Like it... Even if it's new material, I can still have one eye on it and one eye on what I'm working on and still gather all the pieces and then also like feel like I've I'm comprehending what it is that's that's being said or portrayed to me in that that episode. So I know it's probably not the best way to watch a TV show and doesn't give give the most respect to uh, the makers or the creators and the artists that are that are working hard to to create that content, but to me that's just it it's the way that my life functions so i i'm happy for those shows to do that oh i mean one of the things that i always heard like a long time ago that that stayed with me was the greatest audience your film will ever have is when it's on late night cable 
and 90% of your audience is asleep. So I wouldn't feel too bad about <laughs> kind of having it on in the background and paying attention to it because you're at least still paying attention to it. So I think you're okay. I think you need to elaborate on that. What? Who told you that? And why? What does that? What exactly does that mean? It just means it's just a reminder to not take everything you do so seriously that you can't move forward with your decision, right? Because that's another thing that a lot of creatives run into is they run into a paralysis point of, you know, what I now call a perfection paralysis is kind of the way that I refer to it. And I think it's just to remind yourself to to stay grounded with it, right? Is that, you know, at the end of the day, the bulk majority of the people that are ever going to consume your content are going to be people that are probably asleep, that just put it on or it came on. I mean, this was back. I don't even remember who said it. It just, it might've just been something I heard on television. I really don't recall, but it stayed with me for a very long time. Cause I was like, huh. And I, I never really, uh, never really thought about that that way, but you know, it's a really good uh, reminder that, you know, yeah, it's great that we appreciate all these things. And as a creative, it's, it's great to be passionate and you should certainly be motivated to make the best project that you can, but, you know, there is something humbling and remembering that a large percentage of people that are going to watch it are, you know, probably going to be asleep at some point. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's interesting, I guess. Yeah, there you go. So. Okay, so you you have films, you have television, you have comics, right? All of those things, uh, it's interesting because, you know, you talk a lot about the procedural, like, law and order stuff. You talk about the heroism of, of comics because I know uh, from a lot of the comics you read, you're a lot more into the standardized. I'm, I'm using air quotes, though, for everyone that can't uh, <laughs> hear my fingers whifting wind right now. The standardized hero, whereas, you know, traditionally I'm a lot more involved in the anti-heroes like, you know, Deadpool and the Punisher and stuff. I'm all about like, yeah, street justice, you know, whereas you're very much more like, no, 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 law, <laughs> by the book, you got to do things the right way. Like, do you think, because uh, this is something else that I guess I'll divulge that maybe a lot of people don't know about you, is that there was a point in time uh, in your life where you thought about going into law enforcement as <laughs> as like a, you know, FBI uh, person, do you think that that had anything to, to do with it? Or, or do you just, do you feel like you just naturally kind of gravitated towards like good, you know, like, I don't know if that's like neutral, it's not even neutral good. It's definitely not chaotic good. I guess it'd just be good. Like, you <laughs> lawful know what I mean? Good. Yeah, uh, yeah, lawful good. There you go. There it is. Yeah, <laughs> good. Do you think that's where your alignment came from? I honestly do. I do I, I do think comic books are the biggest part of most of my life decisions Um, because that kind of is where I got my moral code from, I, so to speak. Like, I don't want to say like that's only reason why because I, I my my upbringing my upbringing my raising uh, being raised by my mother definitely had a lot to do with it uh, of course but reading the stories of doing the right thing because it's the right thing not because uh and not not to offend anybody that is a, of any religion or anything like that I didn't need that particular set of rules that I didn't need the, the good book, so to speak, to tell me to do the right thing. Uh, I mean, the, the law is the law. So you try not to break that, but you have a lot of heroes in the comic books that you like, you know, yes, the law is the law, but there's also, you have to understand that, you know, people are people. And that's kind of one of those things that I learned from comic books, movies, television, you know, it's, it's definitely something that, 
that side of the entertainment industry usually tries to push like this it's the the criminal with the heart of gold or you know the the man that has to do something wrong for the for the right circumstances kind of thing uh would my love of comic books have made me want to get into law enforcement when i did want to be in the law enforcement uh, yeah yeah I, I would say so I, I wanted to be uh you know the guy that was stopping the the villain stopping the bad guy helping out uh the people that needed to be helped did that pan out for me no <laughs> well i mean that that that's not where i was going with it I no just, i know it's always fascinating you know and and i guess my my follow-up to that would be is like because you know you pointed it out earlier that you're kind of at the start of of the millennial generation if you do you think that based on how cinema television comics are at their current state if you were kind of put into that same situation but now where you're you're kind of exposed to these things where we're at currently do you think that would have molded you in the same way or do you think you would be a little bit more you know because you were already like the laws the the law and i was like yeah and the law is judge dread but um (laughs) (laughs) do you think that would kind of like maybe change you from like a lawful good to do do you think more people now would be constituted as like you know chaotic good because of 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 where we're at with those things or do you think that's not the case no i think if yeah if i were to have been born in this current generation and and coming up with uh the way the state of movies and television and comic books are written uh now yeah i probably would be more of a chaotic good because most of those stuff talks about going outside of the law to do the right thing um but then again i probably wouldn't have also not want to be in law enforcement like i think that you the one of the things that uh really influences the way that we think would would have to be our surroundings and it's it obviously the 2000s are a completely different time from the 80s uh definitely a different time from the 90s so any person child that was born early 2000s late 2000s into now probably doesn't necessarily go straight into law enforcement if they were being raised the same way i was being raised it'd be more it'd probably be more technology based, creativity based. Like people, I mean, yeah, we started up a podcast. We started up a podcast network, but we did it much later in our lives. I mean, most people that are on the, the YouTubes or the Instagrams (laughs) or, you know, TikTok now are much younger and they, they all, they all, you know, um, what is it? Flame their creativity so much better than the way that I was I, I'm not trying to put you down or myself down just the way that we were raised to do it kind of thing like no and I think you're right and I, and I think to your point on that I also I, I find it extremely interesting because I think it's one of those things where kind of like the generation that we're in growing up there was kind of this mindset that being a creative was just a horrible career choice and so I feel like there was a lot of pressure that existed from, you know, kind of our communities and our parents and society to not be a creative. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas weirdly, we're, it, you know, if you were kind of growing up now, it's it's quite the opposite. I mean, you have so many different platforms to be a content creator without having to have an entire production company or a team or, you know, huge budgets to still produce 
uh, content that people want to consume and you, you absolutely have a distribution platform for it. So I, I, I think from that standpoint, I feel like that's a huge difference too, right? Is that it's, it's the same thing is like, there's a lot of people, cause I mean, I remember growing up and, you know, people around me and, and my parents and stuff being very adamantly against me playing video games. And now, I mean, you have streamers <laughs> that are, you know, l- making millions of dollars a month to millions of dollars a year producing content around video games. And I mean, and then, you know, esports is now uh, the second most watched sport in the world, uh, surpassed only by soccer, which I believe it's supposed to overtake that in the next three, three to four years. Um, you know, you have people that are getting scholarships now to to play video games like competitively. Uh, I think you have a lot more scholarships for just creatives and stuff now too, whether it's uh, film or, or photography or writing. Um, I, I just think there's a lot more acceptable, like there's a lot more acceptance to to creatives now as a as a career path that I don't think there was uh, a few years ago. Yeah, or you know, ten, fifteen years ago, no, whatever it, it is. Like like we were saying, we're the kind of we're the gen, the transition generation because before us it was about, you know, you get that stable job, you 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 live out your life, you you get married, you have a family, you 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 have a skill that you 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 re, you know rely on to pay the bills, and then the generation after us is, you kind of have to be a creative, you have to create content, you have to make you have to make your stake in the world. Uh, so that you can get paid, so to speak. Not, I mean, not that artists and creatives do it to get paid, but like it, that's that's kind of the thing. That's that's what everything points to is like pick up that camera phone, pick up that microphone, pick you know, do whatever it is and and get your voice out there and make yourself heard and and. Uh, uh, you know, create, create as much as you can kind of thing. Even like stable jobs, graphic designer mm-hmm. is still a creative, you know, like kind of thing, yeah. you know, those, those are all the things that, uh, you know, are out there for people to do now, as opposed to when we were <laughs> growing up, we were the transition. Well, yeah, you know, and, and we, you know, I think the internet played a very huge role, uh, in all of that. Right. I mean, there was yeah, that made it's about three website and, you know, I mean, especially, you know, we've kind of talked a little bit about it. I mean, with everything that's going on right now with, uh, you know, COVID, like if you're just sitting at home and producing self-content and putting it on the Internet, I mean, we might see a bunch of people like blow up and become quite well off financially through this. Because, I mean, if ever there was a time to start consuming media, it would be very much so right now, you know? No, absolutely correct. So... Very cool. So, okay. So what, I mean, we talked a little bit, I guess, about, you know, esports or, or what have you there. Um, I've never been a huge, I don't know what to call it, regular sports person, I guess. <laughs> I don't, I mean, I don't know if that's the right quantification of it, but uh, I know you've kind of always been uh, super interested in, in football. And I know there was a time in your life as well where you were very much into <laughs> the professional wrestlings. That's right. Um, I believe is the correct terminology for that. It, as Ted Turner, uh, you know, <laughs> um, coined it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have you Real quick sidebar. Have you seen the uh, video of the wrestling event where the stadium is completely empty? I haven't yet. No. Okay. So it's like these women wrestlers and like they're going through their whole wrestling event 
and the entire arena is empty and there's a part where the camera cuts over it's like a tag team match and the girl's like standing on the outside of the ropes and she turns and does this like huge flailing thing to like the crowd that very much is not there no like she's trying to get the crowd involved but they're not there it's pretty freaking awesome but uh that aside what what kind of got you into like football and wrestling and and you know where did that kind of come from for you oh i so football was just because it was where you know i was a boy and football was the thing you know you just need you you're supposed to play football you're supposed to be in sports i played baseball when i was younger too and uh, I was also in soccer, so I did all those things. Um, wrestling really came because of TV. Like I loved watching TV, and I loved stories. Uh, what better, you know, uh, uh, exhibition of characters? Other is not professional wrestling on television. Like you had a uh, gallery of of characters, and you know, every week was a new storyline and new set of uh you know people to hate and people to cheer for and you know and then you throw in physicality of you know a person jumping through the air and landing on a table or uh you know getting hit in the head with a chair kind of thing it was all just so operatic as well as uh cinematic and you know it was and it was always there you know there was you had to have that respect of these people were putting bodily harm on the line to entertain like at some time at some points you've got to be like oh well that's just too much but then other points it's it's like it's you know it's like the the morbid uh curiosity thing you know people watching a car wreck kind of it, you know it's just you have to sit there and watch it and it's and, and you know you come to you when you finally realize that yes a lot of this is um pre-planned staged kind of thing you know you have to respect that too you have to respect that how many things go into making that whole production work in to a point a, a a make it safe so that someone doesn't come out you know f- physically paralyzed for the rest of life now un- you know there were unfortunate times when that actually happened but other than that you know it's 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 it was a spectacle it was something cool it, and i it, for the longest time i wanted to do it myself i wanted to be a part of that i <laughs> In high school, I I did some matches. I I wrestled on the high school on the high school team for a while, but then I also just wanted to do professional wrestling. So a friend and I just would would map out routines and and film those. And then uh, you know after high school, I almost didn't go to college and was going to go try and be on the WWE. Team. Well, at that time WWF, but uh, yeah, that didn't quite work out. So. Um, you know, went to college instead, still watched for a little bit longer. But after that, I, I, I dropped off. I, I've tried to pick it up every once in a while. You know, you still see some of the same wrestlers of when I was it really into it. But most of those, the wrestlers that were really into it, you know, have moved on to other things. Obviously, The Rock. The Rock is, he's a huge movie star now. Like, I was thinking about this the other day. How long is it going to have to be, do you think, for Dwayne Johnson to be in movies and to make blockbuster after blockbuster before people stop calling him the rock. I, you know, I don't know. I think some of that's, uh, I think some of that's also him. I think he still kind of goes by that. Like, I think he's still kind of, Oh yeah. His Instagram is called the rock. So, I mean, obviously he, he doesn't mind being called the rock. It's, it's an homage to his father who was Rocky Johnson in the WWE right. or WWF, but still like, 
if he ever wins an Oscar, do you think he's going to be going up on stage and they're going to say Dwayne The Rock Johnson, or is it just going to be Dwayne Johnson? I, I hope they say The Rock. I, I, <laughs> I hope there's a little gold man with a sword that just has The Rock written on the bottom. <laughs> I, I think that would be fantastic. I would I would love to see that. Very cool. I think it would be absolutely wonderful. Okay, so football, though. So did you ever have that, you know, James Vanderbeek moment where you were like, I don't want your life? <laughs> did you ever have to do that or or no? No, no one ever pushed me into any sports. Uh, it was more it just um, what I thought was what was I was supposed to be. Like, you know, I was supposed to be the 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 teenage boy that was into sports, that kind of thing. I, I never had anybody that was always pressuring me to be great at sports or anything like that. So I did it out of the love or out of the want, so to speak. But in high school in, well, actually in baseball before high school, I, I had injured my knee pretty bad. When I started to play football in high school, uh, I re injured that same knee and I just didn't want to keep doing damage to it. So after one year of football, I didn't I didn't play anymore. Um, other than that, yeah, it was it it, it it there was never that that pressure to be great at sports. Good, very nice. <laughs> uh, so the other thing is, uh, I mean, obvious produce an unbelievable amount of content. Like I literally don't, I mean like you must have a TARDIS somewhere to be <laughs> able to accomplish all the things that you do. Cause I mean, you host and interact on so many different podcasts, both on uh, geekly media and, and, you know, external podcasts and things like that. You also have a play that you wrote and produced uh, at one point as well. Uh, I mean, as well as all the Comic-Con stuff and all that <laughs> sort of things. What, would you like to do more of creatively going forward? It's going forward. I love, uh, I, I love our, our network, like you, me and a few other friends. We started this uh, podcast network because we saw that when we got together and talked about any one particular subject, it was a great time and we needed other people to experience that. If we want, if I want, if I can be narcissistic at all. Um, but I would love for our network to get bigger. I would love for people to, to not just listen to our opinion, but bring in their opinion. Like I want, I would love for geekly media to be a forum for people to come and talk. I mean, which seems weird because there's so many places for people to gather and talk about the things that they love, but I would love for us to be one of those things. Um, you know, just to be the place where people can come and talk about the things that they love, the things that they geek out about, you know, whether it be movies, video games and comic books, traditionally, you know, the things you geek out about, but, you know, food, uh, uh, art, you know, painting, horse racing, if that's what you're into, like anything, you, you would just come and talk to us about it. That'd be, that'd be phenomenal. Uh, but I would have to say that my, true passion in content creating still lies in writing. Like I, a day doesn't go by that I don't come up with a new idea and just start up, start something up and start to write something. It's whether it's a comic book script or a web series or an idea for a movie. And, you know, I, I, I like coming up with ideas. Sometimes I have the hardest time with the, the execution. Uh, one thing you pointed out to me after you, um, 
you know, started learning more about movie making is that you have to have an ending when you start your idea. And that's sometimes my biggest problem. Like I, I get so far in and I'm like, wait, how am I actually going to end this story though? And, uh, you know, it holds me back sometimes, but I would love to write more things to create more things so that I have, we have, we have, I have more video projects to make, you know, uh, I, I don't particularly know if my writing's any good. I like it. And the people that I usually surround myself with are kind enough to say that they like it. But, uh, you know, I wouldn't mind getting my stuff in front of other people uh, so that they can see it. And yeah, I've made a few shorts. Uh, I did write that, that write and directed that play uh, in our local theater, uh, which did have a good response. You know, people enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, but other than that, I, I haven't had enough exposure or enough opportunity to make more things, I guess is the idea. Other than this, I, I, you're, you're right. I, I do a lot with the, the podcast network and, uh, you know, hopefully we can get more people involved that I don't have to do as much and I can focus on other things. So that's where I hope my future goes. <laughs> Very cool. Um, I don't know how much time we have left. Oh, we should definitely wrap it up right about now. Okay. Well, carry on then. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, yeah, we can wrap it up. Yeah. There. Thanks, man. This has been pretty incredible. It made me think about stuff for myself. I, I can, I didn't think that would, uh, it would go down that way. So I hope you had a good time. I did. I, I always have a good time when we talk. It doesn't matter what we- <laughs> time. Uh, well, you know, I'm glad, I'm glad that, uh, we could do this and, and it didn't have to be for the, the bet. I, I'm willing to sit down and talk to you whenever, and we will have to get our podcast back up and running sometime. That would be, that'd be yes. good. But like you said, you, you have just not had the time to watch movies. So it's, it's hard to do a movie podcast if, you know, you're not having an opportunity to watch movies, which I, you know, I did do the 365 challenge last year, uh, and watched a bunch of movies, but this year has been a lot slimmer in watching movies. As I say, I think you picked the right year to do it because anyone <laughs> that chose this year is probably like, ooh, yeah, time to just call it, we're going to wrap it up and try again next year. You're, you're absolutely right. Or at least yeah. like, you're going to jump into the backlog of like older movies that they may, may never have seen. That's true. Uh, but yes. Um, so if anybody would like to talk to me about any of the subjects that I got into tonight, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Mitchipedia, G-E-M. G-E-M stands for Geek Elite Media. Richard, you are still on the internet, though. So where can people find you? <laughs> uh, still on the internet is probably vaguely at this point. I feel <laughs> like I have no time to do anything as of uh, late. But yeah, I, I do have the Twitters. Uh, it's at Ry Cohen, R-I-C-O-W-N. Uh, that's, that's it. That's it's that's the whole handle. It's pretty straightforward. <laughs> okay. And the rest of Geekly Media is at Geekly Media on Twitter, at Geekly Media on Instagram, and Facebook.com forward slash Geekly Media is our Facebook page. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on our network on our website, geeklymedia.com. But until next time, this is Hey Mitch from our 100th episode saying... Always remember to geek out. Geek out. This concludes our broadcast.